Hello and welcome to another Monday episode of the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. On Mondays, as you all know, we do the recap and preview episode. This week, we're going to recap an incredible memorial event, awesome weekend of golf over there in Dublin, Ohio at Muirfield Village. Jack's Place was just fantastic theater on Sunday. We'll get into all of that. We've got one week until the U.S. Open, and the tournament that helps us get there is the RBC Canadian Open, one of the longest-running uh, golf tournaments that get played on the PGA Tour. I think it's like the third or fourth fourth oldest tournament. So we'll get into what is a Rory and everyone else field, and we'll also get into some other unique angles and things specific to Rainmakers. Some crafting announcements have been out there. There's leaderboard movement that's happening. Lots of different things that are coming at us ahead of the U.S. Open. But first, let's recap what was an awesome memorial. Ends in a playoff. Victor Hovland, who's been knocking on the door, gets a win over Denny McCarthy in a playoff. McCarthy, kind of an absolute heartbreaking uh performance in two holes bogeys the 18th hole that would have given him the outright win the 72nd hole makes bogey gets victor into the playoff and that was really all victor really needed uh ends up making mccarthy makes bogey on the playoff hole victor makes par ships in a nice seven footer to get what is victor hovland's signature win in his career i mean Victor Hovland has done nothing but play absolutely fantastic in majors and these big events. It was a matter of time. McCarthy lets him into the playoff and Victor runs right through that open door. All he needed to get the biggest uh, win of his career. TJ, how was your weekend? What did you think of the Memorial and what other stuff are you getting into? Yeah, weekend was good. Good to see Victor Hovland getting in the winner circle. I feel like that's someone that we've been talking a lot about on this show and someone who just generally speaking always high on on his game and i i actually remember talking about him i i thought that he didn't have the the short game and the around the green game that he would need to win a tournament like this but gr- great to see that and i expect that o- over the next couple of years we will see plenty of victories from from victor hovland and like you said yeah this kind of his marquee notch on his belt and uh it's going to be when a major for Victor Hovland going to be one, one of the, the, the talking points, I'm sure, going into the next ones. And specifically, we got the U.S. Open coming up next week. So awesome tournament. Memorial is always a fun one. I actually did not personally get to watch a ton this week. I was busy on the golf course myself, had my club Ooh. championship at the, the club that I belong to. So I had to how it works is that we have a little qualifier round on Friday and Saturday. So you get put into your different flights based on your handicap. Uh, Everybody plays one stroke play round. And then based on your score, you get seated into a 16 person bracket. And then it's, it's match play from there. So I, I, I went out on Friday, shot my career best, a 75 in the qualifying round, locked down the number one seed in my bracket. And then on Sunday yesterday won my first match seven and five on the 13th hole so good good week of golf for me uh in terms of of being on the course and I also got got two little nothing crazy but two little 60 dollar rainmakers caches as well so uh so stacking up some cash there so yeah 
didn't spend a ton of time sitting on the couch watching golf, but golf was definitely a major piece of my weekend. And it was a, it was a good one indeed. Wow. Out there touching grass, shooting career lows, bullying people in match play seven and five. Wow. That is a, that is a statement yeah. there from tough, the number one seed. Tough in scene. And it was, it was a guy, he played with me on Friday in like the qualifier too. So he saw me back to back days, just torching him. Probably thinks I'm a sandbagger. Probably like, why is this guy in the B flight? He's absolutely destroying me. But uh, hey, no no mercy out there on the, on the golf course. So now we're down to the elite eight. Couple more more matches to win, and uh, on on the journey to try and be a club championship, which would be pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Follow and stay tuned here for TJ's club championship journey over the course of the next week or so. That's going to be fun to continue to keep an eye on. And yeah, I mean, it is absolutely golf season. Get out there, touch some grass, enjoy the game. My favorite thing about people in our discord and people in our community have been the number of people who have said, I never once watched golf. I never really thought I would enjoy golf who have been absolutely loving rain makers have been loving getting into golf and golf as a sport is certainly still in the niche uh, niche category but i definitely think golf is growing uh there are a ton of different ways that people are getting exposed to the game whether that be top golf or pop stroke or getting out there on the course for the first time or just getting their first set of clubs uh it, a, a game that everyone can enjoy and uh fun different angles for you know people doing fantasy golf first and then kind of getting out there on the course so love love to hear you out there getting better always working on your game and uh yeah playing well when uh, the lights are brightest in the club championship love to hear that um okay so i think a couple of things i wanted to highlight and recap from memorial is this tournament Number one, and I saw there was a lot of back and forth in our Discord over the weekend about this. I mean, this tournament and this course played so damn hard. And it was it was a tale of two rounds essentially on Thursday and Friday with the AM wave playing at least three shots, if not closer to four shots, easier than the PM wave uh, on both Thursday and Friday. So typically, you know, you get one AM round, one PM round uh, in the first two rounds. But man, if you were kind of like in the afternoon or late morning and then early afternoon, you, you definitely felt like the course was pretty hard both days, uh, significantly harder in the, in the PM. And I think the reason for that was the wind definitely picked up a little bit in the afternoon, but also the greens just start getting hard. The morning dew comes off of them. They're not as soft. You can't just kind of like airmail balls into the green. It's hard to hold. So, you know, I think that was interesting. And then, you know, the other thing about the weekend was it was very similar to us open in that the scores came back to us this weekend. Um, you know, we didn't have anybody running away with it. There weren't that many super, super under par rounds on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately minus seven got you into the playoff. I had thought, and we had predicted that it would be around 10 ish, uh, under par, even less than, uh, last year. So down to seven to get into the playoff. And then, uh, it, it only takes a par to win it on 18 in the playoff. Uh, the other thing to call out too is 16, 17 and 18. Those three holes just played super hard all week. So you were under stress. Each one of these golfers were under stress for all 18 holes and even more stress on the final three holes coming home, which I think made for some awesome theater. Uh, like I said, on Sunday where McCarthy has the lead by one 
hits not the greatest drive, ends up making bogey, uh, missed what was like a 15-footer uh, or 20-footer maybe uh, for to save his par, and then ultimately lets Victor into the playoff, and a par wins the playoff. So I, I think it, it is a course that we're going to continue to see Muirfield Village. It will always host the memorial as far as, you know, as far as the, the recent, you know, future will, will, it will be at Muirfield Village. But I definitely think it's a course that is set up for, this sort of U.S. Open style preview, and it, it can give golfers a ton of fits. So uh, I, I don't know. I I tend to like these kind of tournaments uh, better than Birdie Fest, but I saw a good number of people that were like, "Man, this is so frustrating having you know double bogey lurking at pretty much around every corner." So I definitely get it. It's a different kind of sweat. Uh, if your guys went out there and, and made a bunch of double bogeys and you fell. Uh, then, then you'd be right alongside me. I had a lineup in the elite gated contest on Friday afternoon, literally with probably less than nine holes to play for almost everybody, uh, where that thing was sitting in fifth. And all I did was go backwards from that nine holes. <laughs> I mean, my guys were putting up squares all over the place, did make five of five through the cut, but even the weekend, it was a lot of squares for the golfers that I had absent Scotty Scheffler, who was pretty high owned and did make his run up the, uh, up the leaderboard this weekend, but everyone else seemingly was, you know, happy to tread water. And if not treading water, they were coming back pretty quickly. So I think it's just an interesting kind of tournament it's it's an interesting kind of sweat in terms of fantasy golf it's different than your typical birdie fest where you're looking for you know your guys to make tons of birdies it, you know you could just be happy with shooting even par uh and getting getting fantasy points for for not making bogeys and double bogeys so different kind of sweat and yeah i think it's a good good tournament for you know an indication of what we'll see at the u.s open at los angeles country club here in two weeks um and yeah just be aware of that as a rainmakers player that can happen it was definitely a frustrating weekend a sweating rainmakers because every time i looked my lineup was falling more and more out of the money did end up cashing for a min cash of a hundred dollars a little more than a min cash of a hundred dollars so that was fun but yeah, those kind of sweats are always going to be interesting and fun. And every bogey, every double bogey, every birdie matters in terms of what can happen on the leaderboard at the top, especially when you have a guy like Denny McCarthy, relatively low owned compared to Victor Hovland. When Victor gets back in the playoff and then wins, that's going to change a lot in terms of how the money uh, gets dispersed from a rainmaker standpoint. So a couple of those things caught my eye. Uh, and then golf, you know, I think, the story continues to be Scotty Scheffler and his putter um, loses eight and a half strokes putting, which after last week's minus, I think it was minus seven strokes putting, you would have thought, okay, that was like the worst that Scotty could put and comes out and puts worse this week than he did last week. And ultimately still, finishes what he was t3 right does he was he third solo or, or solo t3? third yeah solo third. yeah solo third uh one shot off the lead so even if he you know just putts about as good as he played last week which was still pretty atrocious by any professional standpoint even if he only loses three four five strokes putting he probably wins the golf tournament and i think scotty's putter has to be one of the absolute stories of the entire pga tour season thus far and if he ever gets it back if he ever gets it anywhere near you know even with the field it is going to be scotty on fire and torching courses left and right yeah no it seems like every single week he's leaving strokes out there and still finishing in the, in the top two or three so 
Scotty doing doing Scotty things. Backdoor's another second place, shooting minus five on Sunday when not a lot of people were going that low. And yeah, just a different different kind of tournament when it's when it's playing difficult like that, both from a real golf standpoint, also from a fantasy standpoint, the placement points, finishing points become even more impactful when there's fewer birdies out there. So that's why I feel like in these kinds of tournaments, sweating the DFS and Rainmakers leaderboards on Sunday is even more unpredictable because, you know, you, you, you move one guy from fourth place to eighth place, and that could be a giant swing in terms of fantasy points. And uh, yeah, we'll expect something similar to that happening in two weeks at the U.S. Open. And in the meantime, we've got the the RBC Heritage. Rory also, I think, was a story from this past weekend. was was up there towards the top of the leaderboard. One of the leaders going into Sunday did not have the greatest Sunday. What he shoot three over par? I think on Sunday ended up finishing for T seven. But regardless, good to see Rory in the mix there. He comes in as the Odds on favorite at what plus four fifty heading into this week. So uh yeah, good good to see Rory playing well. Would have would have liked for him to have a bit of a better finish on Sunday, but I still think that's you know the the best we've seen from Rory in recent memory. And a couple other guys that that have been kind of up there. Siwoo Kim finishing in fourth. He's someone who we often bring up on this show. Adam Shank with another. Top 10 finish. Adam Scott as well playing good golf. Uh, Terrell Hatton, Fitzpatrick. Like I feel like a lot of the guys that that we end up discussing on this show really found themselves onto the the leaderboard this past Sunday, which is good. And you know, th- those are often people that that we're targeting week to week in Rainmakers. And so hopefully, people I, I saw in Discord look like the Joker's had had a nice week. Some good scores, good finishes, both from a Rainmaker standpoint, also in the the OTM Blitz Fantasy, which for, for those of you that checked out the Blitz Pick'em, we also now have the RBC Open Golf Pick'em Packs available at otmnft.com slash Blitz Fantasy. So you can go on, purchase those packs for 99 gold. But yeah, overall, feel, feeling pretty good about, about where we're at as a community in terms of the, the A, types of golfers in general we've been going after, but B, even some of the specific player takes that that either we've had on the show or that people have had in discord definitely uh, uh f- feeling pretty good feeling pretty dialed in and it's it's good timing because we got some exciting tournaments coming up the next couple weeks yeah it is good timing great call uh on rory it was tough tough sunday round for rory would have loved to see him uh end up getting the victory just didn't have his a game on sunday and i feel like this is this is not a um this is starting to be a little bit of a repetitive pattern for Rory on the weekends where even he's kind of admitted at the PGA championship. He felt like he didn't have his a game felt like he was kind of getting it around and, and he ended up, ended up placing well, but he, if you don't have your a game and you're in that final pairing on Sunday, you're always kind of chasing a number. Uh, you're seeing what other people are putting up. It can be really, really tough to just like go out there, stay zoned in, stay focused, you know, not to get too far off the rainmakers topic, but I, I think this is why Brooks kept, is so good in these major championships and there was a lot of different articles related to how Rory approaches uh you know being late in a major and how Brooks kind of just thinks I go out and I play my game and I know I'm good enough it, it I my game as is I know I can be good enough and he kind of just stays really focused on his own game versus I think Rory 
there is a lot of like outside influence seemingly that is impacting what he does or how he's playing and things like that. So it'll be interesting to keep watching, but it does seem like Rory has yet to put it together for four rounds. Awesome to see him still making his way into the tops of these leaderboards. But if he puts, you know, a solid Sunday round together, I think nobody, nobody really has a chance to, to chase down Rory. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to do that. Two more majors uh, ahead of us, us open in a week. And then uh, yeah, obviously have the open uh, in the next, in the next five or six weeks or so. So a couple more majors to go for this season. And it's always fun when Rory gets himself in the mix. He's obviously one of, if not the biggest name in golf uh, globally at this point for who has the competitive juices to fly and compete with the Roms and the Shefflers of the world. So yeah, fun when Rory's in the mix. And then, yeah, a couple, you, you, you nailed a couple of guys. I wanted to call out Adam Scott. I still think said this last show on Monday. I still think Adam Scott just not getting enough credit for how well he's played this year. He hasn't even been close to missing a cut in seven tournaments. He, um, you know, I, he had a really, really bad Friday back nine where he was plus five on Friday on the back nine. He made one birdie and had two doubles and three bogeys. So he's six over, uh, six bogey, ultimately six, two double bogeys, four bogeys, and then one birdie. If he has, you know, even, a mediocre back nine where he's only two over. He's only a couple shots off the lead in on the weekend and kind of changed his entire game for, you know, for that entire stretch there. So I think Adam's going to keep playing good golf at these courses that require, you know, all the shots. And I feel really comfortable with Adam Scott's putting right now, which I think is kind of always a question, but in general, I think he's rolling it pretty well. Uh, the numbers don't always say, that he's rolling it that well, but when he's rolling at average, I think that's pretty good for someone like Adam Scott. So uh, it's it, fun to, to see guys that we keep calling out on these shows, ultimately doing pretty well. And uh, yeah, shout out to the discord when Hovland seems to be in the mix and Hovland's kind of been up, uh, up on top of the leaderboard for several of these big events. Now it seems like our, uh, our community does really well. So a lot of big Hovland fans uh, shout out Vic for playing well over the course of the last, uh, you know, month and a half, two month stretch at this point. So, uh, what else, anything else to cover, uh, anything else came to mind memorial wise before we jump into the Canadian open teach nothing else on, on the memorial for me, fun tournament, looking forward to, uh, the RBC, which I think should, should be a, a good one as well. Got a pretty decent field here as a little final warm up before we get to the U S open the following week. Yeah, and shout out today. Today is uh, for anyone just kind of casually observing golf content. Today is the longest Monday in golf or what people call the longest Monday in golf. It's the final U.S. Open qualifying rounds. So they'll play 36. Everybody at the, I think there's seven or eight locations across the U.S. They'll play 36 holes today, two loops and different uh Different locations have a set number of spots for who gets into the U.S. Open. So there's a lot of tour players out there trying to qualify into the U.S. Open. There's also, you know, a lot of random likes of uh, random walks of life out there trying to qualify as well. I saw there's a 14 year old kid uh, at one of the uh, events out there trying to qualify with the likes of like a Patrick Rogers. Uh, mm -hmm. These these people who have been on tour forever, you know, Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson is trying to qualify. So it, it, it does make for some incredible stories in golf today. Always love watching U.S. Open qualifying golf. Uh, the, the most popular event 
uh, the most popular base is in Columbus. Actually, everybody kind of from the Memorial ends up playing the Ohio qualifier. There'll be 11 spots up for grabs. Uh, I think there's some crazy stats about uh, number of PGA Tour wins. I think it's 25 plus PGA Tour wins. It's uh, tens of thousands of starts, and it's like $600 million in career PGA Tour earnings that are in this U.S. Open qualifying field. So just an absolutely insane field to get into the U.S. Open, but I think that's kind of one of the funnest parts of the U.S. Open is that it's open to anybody. If you qualify and get in, you get to tee it up in a major. So interesting angle for golf. Uh, but yeah, speaking of national opens, let's get into the RBC, the Canadian Open. Rory won this event last year. He's back to defend his title, which I think is probably a big reason why Rory's playing in this event, playing you know back-to-back weeks heading into U.S. Open. Um, hasn't had a ton of a break, so maybe he finds something out there. He's one of the last two times they've had it too right oh that's he, right you're right. 20, you're right 22 and 2019 you're right he's double defending so has a chance yeah. i think there's three or four chances for three peats on the tour this year this is one of the chances for three peats so going for a three peat and yeah i think the field after rory is is a quite a good one sam burns has been playing great for a while now cam young who on the opposite side of the spectrum kind of had his game early now his game sort of is is gone he hasn't hasn't played as well as i think he's wanted to so someone who's trying to get back maddie fitzpatrick a little bit in that cam young camp wanting to get a little bit better but comes off a nice round uh a nice tournament at memorial uh Corey Connors, Fleetwood, Lowry, and then Figala kind of round out the top guys uh, at the board. And that's all the way down to, you know, plus 3,000 in odds. But I think it's a fun field of guys who either have some of their good stuff going ahead of the U.S. Open or who want to play one more event to say, hey, I want a final tune-up before we head into the U.S. Open. So uh, the the range and outcomes of FedEx Cup rankings here – Sam Burns is the top of the list. He's 12th. And then uh, they're the, the last guy in FedEx Cup ranking that's ranked in this field is Vince Whaley at 230. And there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 25 plus golfers that aren't even ranked in the FedEx Cup rankings this year. So uh, it's a wide, away, a wide array of characters in the field this week. Lots of ways to go for DraftKings Rainmakers contest. But a lot of guys at the top that if you start pairing these guys together, you're going to have a nice edge on the field, no matter which contest you're entering this week. Yeah. So just, just to give everyone a feel for what we're looking at in terms of Rainmakers players and the odds, you've got, like Coop said, Rory McIlroy at the top at plus 450. You then have Hatton at 12 to 1, Burns, Cameron Young, and Matt Fitzpatrick all at 14 to 1, Corey Connors, fellow Canadian in the Canadian Open, 18 to 1, Fleetwood and Lowry, 20 to 1. And then, you know, you got Thigala, 30 to 1, Keith Mitchell at 35, Adam Hadwin and Matt Kuchar at 40 to 1. And that's that's all of the people that are shorter than than 50 to 1. So that, that's kind of the the top chunk of the field. And, and even, you know, I'd say I'd say after the Fleetwood Lowry tier, like you said, there there's a substantial drop off there. But even the bottom you know, middle bottom of the field. It, it's, it's certainly not great, but it, it's not awful. And uh, so in general, I think that that player pools will be a little bit more limited from a rainmaker standpoint this week, just in terms of the players that people will have available to them in their collections to, to deploy into their lineups. But uh, yeah, fun, 
fun field. I think there's there's some good stuff to like at the top. Of course, Rory is is the clear play. Not not just because it's Rory, but as we already said, two time defending champion coming off of a of a good week this past week. So definitely, if you have any Rory, Rory cards, as I do, I'll be locking him into my my captain spot for sure. That that kind of feels like a a no brainer. And then a couple of those guys that we mentioned, I feel like are are people that we're typically on. Hatton has been someone I've been on quite a bit this season. Corey Connors, always interested in him. And then one of the the people that was really standing out to me that you had talked about last week is Shane Lowry, who the last two tournaments, T12 at the PGA Championship, T16 at the Memorial. So in some pretty good form here and has some good course history at the RBC. The last three times he's played, he says a T10, a T2, and a T12. So three straight showings where uh, Lowry has performed at the RBC and definitely someone that that stood out to me when I was kind of first looking at the the bottom middle half of this top group. Yeah, I like it. I've been taking the Canadian angle uh, this week. Would be really cool to see Corey Connors get another win at a different course. He's won uh, Valero twice. It would be awesome to see him take down Canadian Open. Last year finished sixth. He has missed the cut the previous two years. Another guy that you know I seemingly might be in this uh, – be in a hole here where I, I've liked this guy for a while. He's in my collection. I feel like I've got this like affinity for him and maybe I just am overplaying him, <laughs> uh, but it's Adam Svensson. Uh, I like his game and another Canadian guy. He finished T21 last year and then previous to that missed two cuts in a row. So I'm pulling for the Canadian guys in their home open to uh, to play well. And yeah, Corey Connors is a, a favorite of ours. Somebody who strikes the ball really well. Someone who you're going to have some frustrating, frustrating uh, times tracking him on the PGA Tour app on the greens because he'll inevitably, inevitably miss a couple seven, six, five footers, uh, but someone who is always up there in terms of ball striking and has like a solid number on him this week to win. We don't see Connors in this like plus 1800 range a ton. He's usually in that like plus 28 to plus 3,500, maybe somewhere in there, uh, depending on the field strength, but he's got as good a chance as anyone to win, uh, this event this week. So uh, I've been looking at a couple of guys like that. I, I, I haven't dove into the course all that much th just yet because, uh, and I've talked about this on Wednesday shows. I've been trying to get away from relying on course history a bunch, uh, have done it to my detriment this season where I've relied on history to make some, uh, some final lineup calls and things like that. And it hasn't really gone my way. So getting a little bit of a different process, letting the statistics kind of drive a bit more of my process than the course history for this week, but interested in your process teach. How do you, how do you start thinking about guys that you like and, and where are you making like tough decisions in terms of ties and captains, you know, who, who you, who you go with in your lineup? Yeah, I typically start just by looking looking at the odds boards first and foremost, just to get a, a feel for the strength of the field that we're dealing with, and in general, like who and how many golfers do I think truly have a have a shot to win this thing? Because I think there's there's certainly some tournaments where it's like okay, difficult course, difficult field, 
you know, the, these small group is, is likely to take it down. I think this is definitely one of those weeks where we have that, that upper echelon tier that we just talked about. And then from there, I usually go with, with just the underlying stats and then also some recent form stuff. So uh, I, I use fantasy national, check out their strokes gained stats, typically looking for people that are gaining strokes, T to green off the T on approach, we talk about how the putter can be the kind of least predictable aspect of golf. So I'm usually most lenient with people that that struggle with the putter just because on any given week they can get get hot there. And so when looking at the stats, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, who is also someone we've been discussing, I mean, he he definitely pops from a st- st- statistics standpoint. He is fourth in this field in strokes gain total, including third tee to green and he's in the top 20 in every single stat outside of off the tee so fleetwood just from a kind of recent form and underlying statistics standpoint he is looking good uh ben on was also catching my name early but he withdrew i believe um so no more benny on unfortunately in yeah, the I'm not field. sure. I'm not sure what happened to Ben on Ben on also today pl- was playing in one of those US Open qualifiers that I called out. Mm. And I think he kind of just walked off. <laughs> so I'm not sure this is like one of those things where, you know, if you're not playing your best, you're there, you, you don't really need to play 18 holes, you're not going to get a spot unless you're really at the top of the field. But usually, you know, we've been getting some reporting like, oh, he, uh, you know, withdrew and is going somewhere. And I think a lot of people it was actually a very early early this morning that he withdrew and a lot of people might, might uh, were guessing that he was just going to take off and head to uh, this, you know, the Canadian open, but then he withdrew from that as well. So I don't know if he got hurt. I'm not sure exactly what happened with Ben on, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to follow. And I know I thought I had saw that uh, Adam Shank at, there's like three guys that qualified for the open. So I, I don't know. Benny on might've been one of those three guys. Any, uh, I think Adam Shank and two other guys I'll have to find where the uh, tweet was there. But you know, when you're trying to get into these events, that kind of changes your schedule whenever you get into, you know, something like the open, he's obviously going to relook at what his schedule might've been and, you know, trying to get out of the qualifier, get out of this, uh, get out of this field so that he reshuffles, you know, what the rest of his schedule looks like. I think that's like an underrated thing that, you know, I haven't really always understood, but like these guys are trying to put together a schedule of events that they can get into, that they will get into. And then, you know, you get into an event like the open or one of these elevated events and that kind of just throws everything out of whack. So I can, I can imagine it might've been something like that for Ben on if he wasn't hurt or, you know, just trying to optimize for whatever his schedule is, but yeah, withdrawals from uh, this week. So he will, he will not be in the field. Yep. Yeah, and just looking at some marketplace volume as well. Talked about Shane Lowry, but he's he's been popping in terms of 24-hour volumes in the rare tier. So people definitely adding on to him ahead of this week. I see Tommy Fleetwood up there as well, Adam Hadwin. So de- definitely some of the the people that are you know tor- towards the top of this field, seeing some movement there. And I'm I'm mostly going to be be sticking to the you know people that are say 60 to one and shorter. And kind of like eight thousand and above priced in in DraftKings DFS. Uh, so in terms of like some of the cheaper guys on that board, Joseph Bramlett, someone who we have talked about quite a bit on this show, coming off a of T sixteen at the Memorial last week. Really, overall, just striking the ball well, consistently gaining strokes, 
tee to green, uh, reasonable on and around the greens. Nothing crazy, but but hasn't been killing himself on the greens lately. Although over the last 50 rounds, he does rank near near the bottom of the field in strokes gain putting. But I think Bramlett is someone to to look at on the cheaper end. I, I agree with your Svensson take, like him too. And then Adam Hadwin, the Canadian, another another guy that's kind of further down the board. So, so that's kind of the the range that I'm targeting and looking to pair them with a, you know, a Rory and a Hatton or a, a Rory and a, you know, Fleetwood, Shane Lowry kind of deal. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, of course, see some ownership from those guys in Rainmakers, just A, due to the nature that they're at the top of the board, but B, like we talked about earlier, when we get into some of the weaker fields, people just don't have as many players available to them. And so we'll kind of see the consolidation of the the specific combos of these players together in the same lineup. So that's something to be wary of too, is not just full on jamming the entire top of the leaderboard together. You might want to pick one or two spots to, to get a little bit different with someone like a, like a Bramlett or, you know, Keith Mitchell is someone that I always kind of have a soft spot for, even though he hasn't been playing too great lately I, I always kind of look his direction that, that's really the high level strategy i'm going to be taking heading into this week yeah i, I definitely want to hit on that really quickly because i think what stands out to me in these kind of events is and i'm continuing to kind of think about DraftKings rainmakers and the pricing that is out there that, that is available you look at a guy like keith mitchell I mean, he was literally my exact target the odds fall from you know, plus 3000 to plus 3,500. And you can see all of this data on our site, otmnft.com. If you come to the Rainmakers portion and click players, this gives you the nicest layout, in my opinion, that in one fell swoop or scroll through, you can kind of see where things might be a little bit off. And you can come down to Keith Mitchell and pretty quickly see that the rare tier drops off from what would be what is it? $29 at Shane Lowry down to $16 for Keith Mitchell for not that big of an odds drop off. So when you start thinking and start seeing that, what it makes me think is there will be a ton of lineups that have McElroy, Hatton, Burns, Young, Fitzpatrick, and those guys are going to be jammed into a lot of teams. One, people have these lineups. Uh, people have a lot more cards and have accrued more cards. Two, you can buy these cards for relatively cheap. So if let's say you had two or three of those top guys, you wanted as strong as the lineup as possible. You're still willing to make some investment. You can get a Cam Young for $43, for Cam Young rare, $43. So I think that's what happens a lot of the times, especially for any of anybody who's up in Rainmakers looking to make some smaller bankroll investments and give yourself even more ceiling or upside. Uh, so I definitely think you want to get different at at least one of your five golfer spots. So your, your fifth of fifth spot should definitely be different. If not looking to get a little bit different from even that fourth spot and, and by different uh, TJ said it best. I don't think you have to go crazy down the board, but I would get out of the first, you know, seven or eight guys uh, that, that are, that are on the board. And I would get off of like Fleetwood to me is going to be really popular uh, I assume somebody like Connors will be really popular just given the Canadian open. He'll be someone that every 
every content, every piece of content that is out there. I'm sure Connors will be mentioned in. So I think you want to get down into that 7,000, even, even close to that 8,000 range. Somebody like Aaron Rye, uh, guys that, yo, you can feel confident in or you've seen and, and felt confident. You heard me talk about Aaron Rye. You heard me talk about Dylan Wu, uh, some of the other guys like that. So I, I like Joseph Bramlett a lot. It seems like at quick glance, this is the kind of course that you don't need driving accuracy, but driving distance is certainly going to help you out. Courses like that, Bramlett is always going to be in play. One of the longest drivers of the golf ball should have a ton of short irons in. Like TJ said, it will matter on how Bramlett rolls the rock to determine if he's able to make the cut and then run up the leaderboard. But he has been playing a little bit better, in my opinion, over the course of the last couple of outings. Um, so yeah, I think uh, trying to take a look at pricing, thinking about pricing for Rainmakers is really important, not only for purchases, but just for how lineups are going to get constructed. And if somebody's going to go out, make some buys and then be able to field a really strong, call it a really strong rare lineup or a really strong elite lineup bolstered by a couple of rare purchases, which I think are easily in play this week. It is a premium event so we had a deluxe event last week for the memorial it's a premium event which means that it's two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in prizing that goes out seventy-five thousand to core and rare and and two hundred thousand to elite through rainmaker i think for these ones uh especially at that elite tier it's 10,000 to the top, but you know, you're, you're in the money percentage is usually a bit smaller. So that's seemingly how they've, uh, they've been adjusting that they've kept that $10,000 prize at the top, even in deluxe events, there are 10,000 at the top. So they used to have 20,000. They brought that down to 10. And I think they've sort of used this as a mold for rainmakers going forward. So what we see when we go from a deluxe prize pool to a premium prize pool is the in the money percentage is a little bit smaller. You also tend to get less lineups, I think, in in total. You don't have, you know, the likes of Rom or Scheffler here and things like that. So tends to have a little less lineups potentially. And there is this question that has been looming in our Discord, and I haven't really figured out a way to uh, do an analysis exactly on this, but people talk about dead lineups. So how many lineups are just, you know, plus 10,000 uh, odds and more guys bunched together as, you know, four or five uh, golfers like that. I, I think in fields like this, there's got to be more quote unquote dead lineups. That's just a gut take. I haven't done the data analysis to, to really fully understand that yet. But I also think golf variance comes into play something in, in, in an event like this. You're going to have, you know, more of a chance that somebody like Shane Lowry or somebody like uh, Sahitha Gala, you know, Matt Kuchar, Adam Hadwin that are like in that upper end of the odds board, there's more of a chance that they could miss the cut uh, and somebody else, you know, take advantage of some, something like that. So, yeah, I haven't really done an analysis, but broadly thinking about it in a field like this, there's got to be quote unquote, more lineups that need golf variants, call it to, uh, to really reach the top of the odds board or sorry, the top of the leaderboard with the ceiling that you need to win these events. What's your take there, TJ? Any, any thoughts on dead lineups, how lineups get constructed? Do they have enough ceiling essentially to win some of these tournaments that are out there? Yeah, I think in, in these ones, you can get, get away with more of playing guys from further down in the odds board. Just because, like you said, the the top of the leaderboard is not necessarily as rock solid as as they would be in some events. So, yeah, 
Uh, I think picking two to three guys from the top and then filling out the other two spots with guys from from lower down, I think provides the the right amount of differentiation. And you, you kind of want to, you know, pick your fades on on some of the guys that are going to be 15, 20 percent owned and hope that they do miss the cut. And then you gain a ton of leverage on on the rest of the field in that way. And then as we always talk about getting getting the captain right is is super important. I think if you have Rory playing him in the captain seems super sharp. And if not landing on the the right guy that, that you want to put into that captain slot, because you really, you really do need your captain to, to end up winning the tournament, unless it's someone that, you know, is either not in rainmakers or is super low owned winning for the most part. I think we we've seen a trend where you need the, the captain to be the winner in order to compete. And so you kind of start with the captain and then work your way backwards from there. Yeah. Totally makes sense to, to me. All right, let's get into actually what you, what you said made me start to look at the odds board and see if I had a very clear fade, somebody maybe in the top, you know, plus 2000 or better odds that I was fading. I, I look at the list and I, I uh, actually don't really have anybody. It feels scary fading like Tiro Hatton. He's been playing great golf. Sam Burns, like I said, has been really hot. Someone who I would have faded, but I, I think he's playing better and better and better. I guess, you know, I'm sitting here staring at Cam Young or Matt Fitzpatrick and like Cam Young on this kind of course when driving is kind of like you can get a nice advantage from being able to hit the ball pretty far. It feels dangerous to fade him. So I, I guess I'll go out on the limb and say I'm going to I'm going to fade Matty Fitzpatrick uh, in, in this tournament, I guess, is where, where I'll go. Any thoughts on fades from you at the top? Yeah, I don't I don't mind the fade on Fitz. He's kind of someone who I've been a little meh on um, Burns. I could see fading Burns too, just because I feel like he's super inconsistent. Like he can go out and finish top five, or he can can easily miss the cut. So when looking at fades, I'd I'd rather fade the volatile guys, just because you know when you when you are fading someone, you want them to fully miss the cut and, and miss out on those two extra rounds. So I'll I'll go with Burnsy as my fade for this week at the top of the board. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that makes sense. That's uh, I, I had him on a narrow list. This like I, I like those golfers at the top. I, somebody who I I've gotten to like a ton more um, from just playing purely rainmakers is Tyrrell Hatton. Usually, as a guy like in traditional DFS, I almost never found myself playing just because of like. Uh, the mental antics and just never really felt comfortable clicking him, but man, he has been really, really rock solid and seeing that like weekend and week out versus you know, DFS pricing always change. Uh, so being able to just like see his performance absent thinking about DFS pricing has been eye opening to me in terms of like a performance from him. That's going to be pretty steady that, you know, he could as a card, he has been pretty valuable for the majority of the season. I got to assume. No doubt. Yeah, he's been he's been super consistent all year. All right. I want to hit on this crafting, uh, crafting and burning really quickly before we dive into TJ's brain and get his winner pick for the week. Uh, crafting and burning is coming to PGA Tour. It's been a long awaited. I think everybody has been dying to do some crafting outside of the weekly crafting recipes that are available for core and starter. Um, so I'll do as quick of an overview as I can, but essentially to craft, you need the crafting token 
which those will be available for sale starting tomorrow uh, uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern. You need one of a crafting token and then usually some sort of collection or someone in your portfolio to fulfill these recipes that will be out there. There's going to be a crafting set. Uh, the price on the tokens ranges by tier core tier, $199, $1.99 rare tier, $9.99 elite tier, $49.99 legendary, $99.99 and rainmaker $499.99. I'm not exactly sure. Like, what I'm going to do with crafting just yet, I haven't seen any of the recipes that uh, I'm, I'm too interested in, but keep an eye on this because I think this is a game changer in terms of Rainmaker, something that's really unique to um, your portfolio. And it does seem like they're also doing some stuff with inactive golfers. So golfers like Tiger Woods and... Um, who else has been out there? Uh, Will Zalatoris. I'm trying to think of guys that, you know, who we would have expected to be playing. Will Zalatoris, probably the, the biggest one there. But, um, you know, if you have those, there's going to be some inactive, uh, inactive recipes. So you can trade a golfer in alongside this crafting token. So some utility with the crafting token. Um, so keep an eye on that. Cause I think it, it will provide a couple of angles. One, an angle for you to trade in some of your portfolio via crafting and get a golfer that you're excited to play on a given week. But then it also, from a game theory standpoint, should be increasing ownership uh, on, on these guys that are then crafted. I think we saw this in the core tier where if a guy was available to be crafted uh, or you know you just needed to trade in any other core and you could get somebody like Aaron Rye there was some there's been some guys that have been recrafted three and four times we tend to see some higher ownership on those guys I have to imagine that will likely be the case again at the uh, crafting at different tiers but I think this is a really cool angle and a good time in Rainmakers to be introducing crafting. You know, we're we're approaching that halfway point in the season. You can make some bets with your portfolio without needing to go to the marketplace or without needing to rely on a sale. You're going to be able to get another golfer that you can plug in. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on crafting. I haven't dove in fully to all of the details just yet, but if you're holding one of the greens passes, whether it be professional or champion, you'll be, you'll be getting some crafting tokens that you can use to take advantage of crafting in your portfolio. Any thoughts that you had, Tej, high level on crafting and how that might impact gameplay as we move through the rest of the season? Guess I'll be putting my my dormant Will Zalatoris cards to work and and doing the crafting there. But uh, yeah, I mean, these are all elements of the Rainmakers game that I feel like don't don't get a, enough chatter. And you know, may, maybe in the in the offseason, the football season, we can do a podcast that's fully more about these types of dynamics. Because I feel like it's like unless you're glued to the Discord, it's hard to even really know what's going on with these. Like I, I personally don't don't even know a ton about the crafting stuff. It, I, I find it a little bit difficult to follow, and it's just like not super clear to me of what exactly I should do and when and why. So uh, yeah, I think it's you know kind of the the next evolution of the Rainmakers game is really understanding these nuances because it does get does get tricky and is not necessarily the most like obvious thing just from going onto the rainmakers app yeah i completely agree with this i also think this is where my brain continues to say that rainmakers is really new 
and in these really new kind of games, there are edges to be had. There are things that you can take advantage of, paying attention to different things, being on top of it. So doing everything I can to try to be on top of it, deliver you all some good insights and information. I'll have some more details on crafting on Wednesday. Going to plan to get into it on Tuesday, obviously, when the crafting tokens are up for sale. I I know there's also a disc going to be, uh, I think, the Discord gated contest. I'll shout out our Discord community, continuing to keep everyone in the loop when those are out there i believe if you head over to the DraftKings marketplace uh discord and you go to the announcements channel there's a discord contest that you can sign up for i know that was pretty juicy in terms of expected value the last time they had one of these so head on over there get that done if you haven't and uh yeah back on wednesday for a bit more details on crafting and maybe we get our first recipe or two in the rare uh, and elite and above tiers for crafting and how that specifically is going to work. All right, TJ, I think it's time. We've come to the point in the show where we need to know who you're thinking wins this golf tournament. He went with his Mr. Faithful John Rom last week. Didn't didn't end up get the getting the job done, but still pretty solid performance out of Rom. What did Rom finish last week? I can't even really remember. Like fifteenth uh, or something like that. Yeah, T T. Where is he? I think fifteen. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen. T sixteen. A little bit of a, a kind of a Rory style Sunday shot 74 Sunday. So he backed up during the weekend. But yeah, I think uh, Rom was definitely a solid pick. I had, I had picked uh, Rom over someone asked me Rom or Scheffler last week in captain spot. And I had picked Rom just because of the putter. And I think all made sense. Scotty's putter didn't work, but his short game uh, or his iron game and his off the tee game came to play again uh, per standard. So uh, yeah, uh, where are we looking at this week? And who do you like to take home the R? RBC Canadian Open. I'm a, I talked about him earlier on the show, but another guy that also finished T16 last week, Shane Lowry. Gonna gonna go to the well with him here. Has some some decent course history. Has some good recent form. Solid underlying stats all the way across the board in terms of his strokes gained. And uh, I don't know. I think I think I could see him getting the win this week. So Shane Lowry gonna be my pick. I think he's what twenty to one. 20 to one. So 20 to one. Not, not a, I mean, it's a little shorter than I would like from a betting odds standpoint, but not, not the worst bet. If you're looking for a little, little sweat, 20 to one on Shane Lowry, my winner pick for the RBC Canadian open this weekend. All right. You heard it here first. Shane Lowry. We've liked him the last couple of the weeks. His game's coming around. Love, love the idea and love the, the aspect of Shane getting a victory before we go into the U S open, before we go into the open championship courses and tournaments that we always like to see Shane playing well. in as we head into them, because typically he does play well in those big events. So Shane Lowry is the pick Tuesday article will be up tomorrow. I'll highlight golfers that I like Wednesday show. I'll build my lineups. I'll answer any questions that you all have. Would love to hear questions from you. If you've got them, we'll go through crafting in a little bit more detail. Take a look at what's available or what's out there. Uh, Crafting tokens on sale tomorrow on DraftKings Rainmakers site. Head over there and do that if you're interested. Get on over in the Discord. All the things. Fire any questions. And until Wednesday, you'll be hearing from me and I'll be hearing from you all. So until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Golf is still coming at you, and we will talk to you all soon.